And yeah, what if I tried something like this? You know, maybe fucking this. A little laid back. Maybe you want something a little heavier. Uh, well, probably not heavy, but you're now listening to. Hi everyone! Welcome back to the podcast. We're doing it again. It's happening. I will try not to talk too much in the intro because um, you're going to hear what's going on and you're going to hear why it wasn't coming out for uh, a couple of months. I was going to say a few weeks, but those weeks extended to months. Um, you'll hear all about that in uh, the recording that follows and you'll learn everything that you need to know. I, I did this recording at the end of February and so you almost you almost had the podcast back at the beginning of the mart of bleh, poof fast can a person talk? You almost had the podcast back at the beginning of March, but I just couldn't get it together, you guys. I'm finally on the other side of this depression. And in fact, next week, I'm going to chat with a hilarious comedian, Chantal Marostica, about depression. So look at us. We're building themes and threads, and it's going to be great. So that's uh, that's happening. Thank you for listening. If you usually listen, hello, we're back. If you never listen... Hello. You might you might first want to check out one of the episodes in which I speak to another person because this one is another solo one and I feel like the solo ones are an acquired taste. I could be wrong. What what do I know, you guys? But here it is for you and I'm letting it be good enough. In terms of letting things be good enough, I also I'm going to have an album coming out soon. I recorded the album at the end of December. And I have spent the last few months editing it. But more than that, what's taken a long time was getting my head around um, letting it be. And uh, anyway, it's brought up all kinds of issues, all kinds of issues for me about my sense of self-worth and confidence and all sorts of things, coupled, coupled with a pretty gloomy outlook for the last few months. But finally, the album is edited. My head is around it and I am ready to unleash it, unleash the beast into the world. So I just got to do the tiniest bit of research and uh, decision making about exactly what platforms it's going to come out on and how and when, but it will be very soon, you guys. So keep your eyes and ears open for that. I will definitely let you know again uh, what the deal is, what the deal is with that. What else did I want to tell you guys in the intro? Do I wanted to tell you about shows that I have coming up? Um, have all these notes here but I don't think any of them really you hear that that's me ruffling notes no I have these notes here but I don't need to tell you any of this stuff let's just get the party started I will tell you shows that I have coming up very quickly because I don't tell you everything I hardly tell you anything and I didn't tell you about Winnipeg I didn't tell you about Vermont I didn't tell you about Montreal where I just was literally last weekend but this is what I can tell you. Are you ready? Are you buckled in? Do I have any listeners in Kingston? Kingston, April 27th to 30th. I will be in your town. So that is something that you can know. Um, what else is going on? Ottawa, May 17th to 23rd. I will be in your town. Portland. Portland. Look at you. I have two shows in you. Portland, Oregon. Two shows in you. On June 10th. It's a Friday. These are sponsored by Pride. It's going to be super fun. It's at Curious Comedy, 7.30 and 9.30, June 10th. Seattle, I'm in you, June 13th, 7 and 9 p.m. I don't know exactly where those shows are yet. I should know, but I will be there. Seattle, June 13th. And Comedy Mix Vancouver, hitting you, June 16th to the 18th. 
How good is that, you guys? That's all stuff I'm trying to tell you about. And meanwhile, I'm always doing shows in Toronto. Solomon and Smith has since wrapped. You've heard a couple of those on the podcast. Next season, we're going to have a new season of Solomon and Smith. That was just season one. Perhaps we should record everyone, and you guys should hear everyone. Would you like that? Do you want that? Email me at deanne at nomoradio.com. I talked a lot about you guys emailing me in the uh, following recording. I like when you reach out. In fact, I need you to reach out. I need to know that this is happening. I need to know that this is a conversation that you enjoy because it is too easy for me to get in my head, guys. Get in my head, think that nothing that I'm doing is worth anything. Why would anyone want to listen to it, et cetera, et cetera. So you let me know that you're a community that's out there and I will keep it going. Yeah? It's not all on you. I'm going to keep it going anyway. Hey? Yes? Hey? Huh? Hmm? Hey? I'm done being depressed. Um, but I wasn't when I recorded this. So you'll hear that. You'll hear a, a, a tone in my voice, but you don't need to worry about it. And uh, I'll talk to you guys again at the end of the podcast. Should I do learn a thing? I'll try to think of a thing to learn while you guys are listening. Okay. Bye. Hi, everybody. Hi, friends. How's it going? Uh, it's been a minute. We're going to talk about all of that. I'm in the car again. Another solo podcast from Deanne Smith in the car. Hi. Hello. I'm never sure how to start these things. I didn't even have a plan for what I wanted to talk to you about. But let me tell you this. Let me tell you this, guys, friends, listeners, buddies, those of you that are still there, those of you that are new, this is questionable at best. It is a podcast. It is, uh, you know, it is what it is. It goes away sometimes, so we'll talk about that for a second. Oh, guys, so I have a cold right now. I don't know what I have. I have a, um, it's, it's just coming on, and it does not feel great. My throat really hurts. I probably shouldn't be talking to you, but I am so eager to reconnect with you guys, and I don't know which way this cold is going. I don't know if it's taking me down uh, or if I'm fighting it. But I thought it would actually kind of start to break my heart a little bit if, if I couldn't put this out soon. So if I go under in the next few days and I can't really talk, I wanted to do this now. You guys, hello. Hi. Hi. It's Dan Smith. I love you. You're writing me messages. I met some of you guys in Guelph recently who listened to the podcast and were wondering where it went. Um, gosh, darn it. I forget your name. It wasn't Madison. It was something cool. Mackenzie. Oh, my gosh. Guys, you know how I'm always wondering... Uh, what people are doing when they're listening to the podcast. Mackenzie, apparently, is doing the surgeries on hamsters. And I forget why, Mackenzie. It's been a few weeks, and I've been a few geographic places in that time. And travel tends to mess with my memory as I am constantly just kind of rewiring the old noggin and uh, looking for my next source of food. So I'm sorry, but guys, Mackenzie from Guelph, from probably the University of Guelph or whatever's over there, is uh, Guelph is a place in Ontario, by the way. Sounds funny, right? It's hard to say normal. Guelph. You know what else is hard to say normal? Or just a weird word? The word each. What's with that word? Each other. Each. Each. How do we have an English word that's each, that's just this noise? Each. And we all accept it. Each. Each. Can you imagine? What if you're learning English and someone just hits you with this? Oh, yeah. We talk other. No, you have to say you talk to each other. Each. Each. Each is a word that we say. Guys, I am possibly losing it. Anyway, Mackenzie is doing surgeries on hamsters. Surgeries on hamsters. That's what she's doing when she's listening to the podcast. So what's up, Mackenzie? I forget what you're studying. Brain stuff? Why don't you shoot me an email and remind me? Why don't y'all shoot me emails 
shoot me emails anytime, you guys. I love hearing from you. I'm Deanne at nomoradio.com. And do you know what? Your emails, they, they help, guys. They help. They cheer me up. They get me back on track. Well, a lot of times they just make me feel guilty for not putting out a podcast if you're like, what happened to it? But you guys are all very sweet, and you're often like, what happened to it? But we understand you're probably going through something. And let me tell you what, you guys. I was going through something. So I'm just going to talk this through. We'll figure out later if I'm going to edit any of it. I have very little plan. I am on the road from Montreal to Toronto. I just did an amazing show in Montreal, by the way. And it would be really smart for me to tell you about these shows before they happen. Um, So sorry to all my Montreal listeners. But uh, I did a show called Stand Up Strip Down, which is a show that I run that is comedy and burlesque, ha-has and ta-tas, jokes and boobs, tits and giggles, however you want to say it. I have those those two clever ways of saying it. And it is so much goddamn fun. And just last night we had the show at Theatre St. Catherine, and it was out of this world. Man, it was just great. One of my favorite acts on the show was a comic from Toronto called Bobby Knopf. So look him up. K-N-A-U-F-F if you're in Toronto or anywhere. I don't know where he goes. Anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try, try to get that guy to start traveling with me because I love that guy. Super funny. So it was great. Anyway, so I'm, I'm riding the high of that show, kind of, except that I'm sick. And, uh, and I'm driving to Toronto. I'm about an hour outside of home. And this is when a lot of the boredom kicks in and a lot of the, oh, Jesus, is there still this much left of the drive? There is. And I'm sick. And I never took off my pajama shirt today because I just wanted that little tiny bit of comfort with me in the car. I thought of not changing out of my pajama pants, but I couldn't really do that. They're just regular sweatpants, just kid size from the old uh, Abercrombie and Fitch. I know it's not great, guys. I know it's not a great place to shop but they have boys clothes in my size which I enjoy so I got some very cute sweatpants from there and you know what I probably could have I probably could have worn them in the car probably could have got off at a bunch of rest stops today because all I'm doing is pounding liquids pounding liquids and stopping to pee that's I stopped like five times today it's like a five and a half hour drive that said I stopped at this one rest stop and there was a lot of boys there teenage boys in sweatpants so I could have blended in with them I could have done that right hearing a smile in my voice, because shouldn't I try to be older than that? Ah, eh, older schmolder. Where were we going with this? I think, okay, so guys, I haven't been around for a few reasons. Um, what was the, where did I leave you? I left you guys at the holidays with the Solomon and Smith show. We've had two since then. They're great. Those happened at Bad Dog in Toronto. I'll tell you about where to find the next one at the end of this podcast, because I'm going to try to start doing that, guys, always in the outro. I'm going to tell you about all the shows coming up and the things. I'm, I'm all around the world these, these days. No, all around the place. All around a, a limited area of the northeastern section of Canada and the United States. Guys, 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 what am I trying to tell you? trying to tell you that I've uh, been a bit depressed, old Deanne Smith. Yeah, that's right. Happens to me in the winter, um, and really took me under. Happened in a big way. I said that that like a children's cartoon. Really took me under, you guys. I felt depressed. It was pretty pretty high voice delivery, Deanne. Pretty cheery delivery on the old depressino. Depressino. Guys, uh, my mom died a year ago. Remember? I do. Because I stopped doing the podcast for many months. And uh, I am learning things as I am moving through this fog of grief. I'm going to go ahead and call it a fog of grief. A thick pea soup of grief. Um, number one, it sucks. Number two, it's coming for you. Number three, it will get you. Number four, your body remembers things, uh, even if you're not sure you want to. 
etc. Um, so as the year anniversary of my mom's death started approaching, I got real sad, you guys. Uh, and I, I didn't even really realize what was happening at first. And then it kind of spun in all kinds of directions. Um, one, of the, one of the first ways that it manifested, or maybe one of the most easily recognizable ways that it manifested, because I have a very caring and loving partner, um, was that our connection got a bit squidgy, squidgy, staticky. There was a bit of fuzz in the old connection, metaphorically. Um, and I think that was just me kind of shutting down. It was like really hard to stay open and be vulnerable and stay connected to another human being that knows and loves me so much because I was super sad. And so being that open and staying connected meant also acknowledging uh, and then not just acknowledging but feeling all of the really, really deep sadness that I, that I have. So uh, my partner, her name's Hannah. She, uh, <laughs> you guys know her, right? She, you know, she was maybe one of the first to sound the alarm bells. Not necessarily you're depressed, but like, what the heck? What's going on? Where are you? What's going on? So it's been a few weeks of that. I guess I don't really know how to talk about it in any particularly articulate way other than that talking about it helps in general. And I like throwing this stuff out there because I know that um, some of you guys feel similarly. And I am on no meds. I do talk therapy. It's a combination of talk therapy, denial, and pulling myself up by my goddamn bootstraps. That's, uh, and I have literal bootstraps right now. I'm wearing Blundstones. They have bootstraps. That's how I deal with uh, basically a history and a lifetime and a genetic predisposition to depression. I think I'm still figuring out how to deal with it and what exactly I need and what works for me. I'll tell you what's great, exercise, a walk, fresh air, these very simple things, eating well, sleeping well, but it's so easy to get off that track, right? When you're not, when you're not feeling well, when you are mentally messed up, messed up. I don't know. Is that too judgy? Is that too judgy of a way to phrase it? One of the things that I'm learning in talk therapy that I thought I could share with you guys, is this podcast going to make it to air, by the way? Do you appreciate this? I'm just driving like 120 k's, <laughs> like 120 kilometers an hour and nonstop talking. Are you into it? My throat hurts. Why am I even doing this? It's because I missed you guys and I don't know. I don't know anything. Is this useful to you? Do you like it? Is it funny? No. If you're new to this podcast, understand that I'm a comedian, but sometimes we have real feelings and sometimes we're going to talk about a real feeling. Okay, a lot of comedians are just sad clowns. Sad little monkeys. Dance for me, monkey. Okay, please love me. Wearing our funny little hats. Hi, everyone. Where were we? Depression is difficult to talk about. I don't know how to talk about it. But I am learning to at least not judge it. Hey, because you can get in some really bad spirals. I'm I'm even going to call it a shame spiral. Because why not? That sounds catchy, doesn't it? Shame spiral. Um... You can get in some really bad spirals of feeling bad and then feeling bad for feeling bad and then feeling guilty that you feel bad for feeling bad and then, you know, feeling hopeless that you feel guilty for your feeling bad for feeling bad and then it just keeps on going and looping and taking you down. Whew, here we are. Um, ten minutes in, we've covered a lot of ground, you guys. Still pretty raw, though, and vague, right? Is it boring for you for me to just be like, oh, I've been depressed, you guys? Well, I have been. And I... And I haven't dragged any particular insights out of there for you. I've been to the deep, dark pit. It's pretty deep. It's pretty dark. 
but I have dredged up no gems for you. I have dredged up what else could come out of a deep, dark pit. What about an adorable demon? I have dredged up no adorable demons for you. What about just a real demon? <sighs> real demons, let's leave them down there. What wonderful things could come from a deep, dark pit? Gems, gemstones, uh, coal, dinosaur bones, um, porn magazines? No, I get that, that, that tells you about when I was born, mid 70s. There used to be a time, guys, where you could only, you could only access porn, not on the internet, because the internet didn't exist, but when I was a kid, we found our porn in the woods. That's right, in deep, dark pits. They weren't that deep, but they were definitely pits, and they were in the woods, and they were dark, and that's where we would find, like, a tattered old Playboy or something, and man, was that exciting. Oh, there's an anecdote for you. So when I was a kid, um, just remembering all of this, we uh, this we would just play in the woods. We would just run around the neighborhood and play in the woods, and it was so fun. And as you can imagine, I was a bit of a tomboy, a bit of a scrapper, loved my play clothes, loved coming home, putting on my play clothes, getting out of my old work clothes, you know, the school shit, putting on some cute little corduroys and a T-shirt and run the hell out there, which is uh, pretty much how I dress today. Running out there in the woods, snomping around in puddles, building forts, taking them down, building new forts. Um... There was a development building in my neighborhood. I mean, not a development building. There, was, there were houses being built. They were creating a development, a neighborhood. My house had been there for a long time, but we were on the edge of the road, and it used to be dead end from there on, just woods. I was, uh, I was really sad when they started cutting down all the woods around my house and angry, and it felt, it felt inevitable, and I felt powerless. And I had forgotten about all of that until right now, you guys. But I, you know, just a kid with a pure heart and love for trees. You don't want to see those trees get cut down and have dumb houses. Although, one of the, in one of those dumb houses was my friend Gretchen Christensen. She turned up one day, and there were no other girls on my street. So that happened in third grade. She was awesome. She showed up at school wearing a purple sweatsuit, matching, top to bottom, purple. She had curly red hair. I saw her from afar, and I was in love with her. I was like, who's that girl? I need to know her. Then I go home, and she and I see her outside the house, two houses up from my house. What? There she is. What? Dreams come true. Who is she? I gotta go meet her. I was in third grade, so I went up there, and I knocked on her door, and this is how you used to make friends in the day. You know what? This is how you can still make friends if you want to, you guys. I went up there, I, I rang the doorbell, her mom answered, and I said, hi, my name's Deanne, I live down there, I think a little girl lives here, does she want to play with me? Does your little girl want to play with me? And she was like, Gretchen, they were from the south, they were from Kentucky, Gretchen, and then Gretchen came up, and when we were friends, that was it, that was the end of it, we were buddies, she had a little brother called Matt, we used to put makeup on Matt and dresses, and we would tell him that if he wanted to play with us, he had to let us dress him however we wanted and he was a really good sport he was a wild kid he was a wild child he, you could dare him to do anything he would eat dirt he would we would explore those houses that they were building and we once uh, lowered matt down by his belt loop tied a rope around his belt this is real sounds like a dennis the menace cartoon but it's real tied a rope around his belt and lowered him down into the basement the unfinished basement they, they maybe should have put some put some uh what would they put around their barriers at the very least it was a it was a less litigious how do you call it when you're everybody's suing everybody it was a less litigious time everyone and 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 nine-year-olds could just lower four-year-olds down into unfinished basements it was a good time i'm getting back to the porn and the deep dark pit oh my gosh guys look how much i get out of talking to you i just let it happen and now i'm remembering all this stuff 
And so thank you guys for being there and making this a thing. And if you want to send me gentle nudging emails every once in a while to get me to keep doing this, please do. It helps. I'll write you back. I always do. It takes a minute sometimes, but I always write you back. Deanne at nomoradio.com. What else is happening? Oh, okay, listen. I'm going to finish this story, but let me also say this. (laughs) This is how my brain works. Is this okay that we have three threads, three conversational threads going at one time? Can you guys handle it? Speaking of people that write me, I owe Nicole an email. She wrote me recently, and she came to a Solomon & Smith all the way from Germany, where she lives now. She's a podcast listener. She came to a Solomon & Smith in Toronto, and it was awesome. So hi, Nicole. And I owe you an email. You wrote to me about why expat is not a good thing to say. And have I said that? Apparently, guys, you can't, you shouldn't say expat anymore. Listen, all I did was skim the email. I didn't even read the whole thing yet, Nicole, so I'm sorry. And I shouldn't be giving this information out until I actually read it and digest it. But the quick idea, as I understand it, is expat is not a politically correct thing to say because it's only, like, white people that are ever expats and everybody else is immigrants. And so we should all just call ourselves immigrants. And I think that's fair. But I also never assumed that the term expat and the term immigrant were mutually exclusive. I think of myself as an expat sometimes, but I also think of myself as an immigrant. And I just assumed that other immigrants have a similar word for themselves in their native language, like expat, right? But I don't know. I guess I think of those things as like one term relates to the country that you left, right? You're an expat of that country, an expatriate, perhaps. Wow, what a loaded term. And you're an immigrant of the new country that you're in. What else would you call yourself of the country that you left? There's got to be a word for it. Why am I blanking on it? You're an outagrant. <laughs> you're a um, you're an outagrant. You're a you're a lever. You're a defector. You're a, you're a you're just a dirty communist, probably, right, for leaving, (sighs) for greener pastures. Let me say this as well in terms of being an immigrant, emigrant, exigrant, whatever. Um, I just want to say this. I left the U.S. way before it was cool. Okay, you guys? I haven't lived there in like, oh my goodness, 15 years or so. I left way before it was cool. And now that this Trump business is happening and people are getting all freaked out about that, Everyone's like, yeah, I'm moving to Canada. Guess what, guys? I already did it. And guess what else? Canada isn't going to fix you. You fix yourselves. That's a very rich thing for me to say, having left. The first time George Bush, W. Bush, stole the presidency. I was like, I'm out. I'm going to Mexico, and I'm never coming back because I'm a bad patriot. I don't stay and fight for my country. But interestingly, I think we might have already talked about this on the last time I was solo podcasting. Every time I'm in the car, I guess I, I, I reflect upon my migrant nature, my wanderlust my boots slapping against the road feeling that I love so much my my Sagittarius rising should we do that should we get horoscopical about it astrological about it where were we I was trying to talk to you guys about porn in the woods I was trying to talk to you guys about how do you notice why am I getting aggressive with you like it's your fault that I can't keep a thread of conversation guys if you didn't encourage it i wouldn't do it all right okay why don't you send me emails tell me not to do it dn no more radio.com why am i so desperate for connection i just am go ahead and message me hey we're here we're hanging out together i know ne- all you do is hear about me i never get to hear about you let me hear about you dn and no more radio.com tell me what's up how you doing how, how do you feel about the immigrant expat debate you know what i would love to do you guys i would love to start reading more of your emails on the old air can we call it the air on this thing on the podcast on the wires across the wires across the internet into your ears i would love to read to you guys and build the weird community that is the questionable at best listeners you are lovely 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 people let me say every single one of you that i have met in person that turns up at shows you're fantastic you're so 
adorable and sweet and open. And I like to think that's something that we're creating here together. I feel more intimately about you than I do about, say, random comedy show audience people. Because uh, we share a lot more. You know a lot about me, and you're sticking around, aren't you? Oh, look at us. We're like in a relationship, you guys. Whew. In fact, wow, I've been in two relationships since I've known you guys, and like a mini affair. Did you know about that? We won't talk about that. But um, you guys, have you've been there, you've lasted longer than all of that stuff, except the one that I'm in now, Hannah. She's going to outlive us all, and she's going to outlast us all. And we're going to outlast everything. I don't know what I'm trying to say. She's beautiful, and I love her. Oh, the porn in the woods. So we would just have to find porn in the woods. I guess there's nothing very exciting about that. There's no reason for me to really return to that. It was just that the, I just remember that we had this fort that we used to build because there were these houses that were being built around in my neighborhood so we little scrapper kids would run around and we would steal supplies from them various planks various uh, particle boards various nails because they would leave all that stuff it was very unsecure job sites very unsecure job sites and we would steal some of their supplies and then we would cart it off into the woods and make little forts and stuff and that was pretty great that was really fun there was this one fort in particular that we just kept building and tearing down and building again and tearing down again. I guess we just loved building it because we, it would never stay built for long. It would be built for a week or two weeks and then we would tear it down and use all the stuff and make it again. And of course it got worse and worse and more dangerous every time. Every time there was this more nails sticking off in places that there shouldn't be and, you know, bent nails and wood starting to rip and splinter. But we would do that. We would build forts, and we would sometimes find porn, and then that porn would find it find its way into the p forts. And we were much too little to be doing much with it. We weren't masturbating or anything, uh, I mean, in the forts together. I think I was already masturbating at home. We can talk about that in a second if you guys want to. We would find the porn and share the porn, and it, it was spectacular. It didn't even have to be a whole magazine. Sometimes it would just be like, like a ripped page out of one, which was so titillating and exciting just old playboys what's not titillating and exciting as i'm telling you the story is wh who what what dirty creep who was leaving these porns in the woods you know where did they come from best case scenario they came from someone's like older brother or a younger brother that found like an older brother's stash worst case scenario they were consciously placed there by like a really creepy wood-dwelling pedophile type. Well, we all we all got out of there alive. So let's focus on that. Let's move on. Let's talk about how young I started masturbating. Guys, what are we doing? I thought I was trying to talk to you about depression, and now here we are. I started masturbating at a very young age, and I will say this to my mom's credit: she never shamed me about it. And I think that I don't know even really how she avoided doing that because our culture is built on sexual shame. Society is built on sexual shame. So how did my mom catch me masturbating when I was a kid, a baby almost, and not give me shame about it? But she didn't. This is what happened. And it was also, it was like a really interesting time because I remember being about three or four. I mean, I do have conscious memories of this. I remember understanding for the first time and kind of realizing that my mom and I were not the same person. And I haven't read enough about child psychology or development, but I'm sure that's a stage that we all go through at some point, probably quite young. You know, as infants, we probably don't feel much of a difference uh, between our body and our mom's body. And there isn't really, right? We're in it and then we're born. 
and then it's happening. Wow, what a startling intimacy that whole thing is. Of course I'm sad that my mom died, you guys, on levels that I don't even understand. But this is a sweet story about my mom. So a sweet story about my mom and me masturbating. That, those can coexist, guys. Don't be weird about this. And also, sorry, my voice is squeaky. I'm, I'm losing it. And you know what else? Aw, let's go way side, sideways and tell you this. Where are we right now? We're like six days past the anniversary of my mom's death, the one-year anniversary. And last year when she died, it was really interesting because right before that happened, I lost my voice, like, in a way that I have never lost my voice before. Um, I absolutely couldn't speak. I, I was speaking, but it sounded crazy. When it sounded better, my grandma said I sounded like uh, Scarlett Johansson because how cute is she? She knows all these pop culture references. She's 90 years old and she's very aware of who Scarlett Johansson is and she likes her and she can like identify her voice. That was when it was on the mend, but like five days before that, it just was, I can't even, it was just this whispery, squeaky, horrible mess. And I don't know what the psychosomatic implications of that are, but I think it's not, I think it's not unpoetic or metaphorical that I lost my voice when my mom died. All that happened at the same time. And it's happening again now, a year later. This is different though. I think my voice is much stronger now. We'll see, we'll see where it goes or what happens to it. But um, I can't help but think that these things are somewhat connected because I'm a big, big, big believer in the mind-body connection. Listen, I also know viruses are out there, all right? I also know it's winter. I also know I've just told you that I've been depressed, so the old immunodeficiency is probably down. I don't know. Sometimes I think these things happen to remind us to take care of ourselves and chill out and have a night alone with some tea and a book. All right. Anyway, that's me telling myself to take care of myself. Oh my gosh, I'm going to finish this mom masturbation story, don't worry, and that's a phrase I never thought I would say, so here we are in this moment. But I was going to say that last week on the anniversary of my mom's death, I was really bummed out, and I had something to do that day, a comedy-related, so I went and did that, and man, it is hard to crank it up for comedy when you're real sad, but when that's how you feed yourself, you got to figure out how to do it, dance, monkey, dance, that sort of thing. Anyway, I went and did the comedy thing during the day and then um, had some extreme self-care that afternoon and it felt great. I don't think in all of my years here on earth I have ever taken such nice care of myself and it was really radical. I um, took a big walk in the afternoon because I know that that always makes me feel better and I love moving my body. And then I got home and I took a bath which often feels very indulgent, right, and, and luxurious, and sometimes me, I don't know, maybe you guys feel the same, but it feels like luxurious in a way that I don't deserve, right? What have I done today to deserve a bath? And it could potentially feel guilty, but I was like, what haven't I done today that deserves a bath? I deserve a bath. I deserve a bath just for being here on this earth. Let's do this. So I got in a, in a warm bath, and it was freaking awesome, you guys. It felt good, and then I sobbed so much. I cried so much in there. And I don't even think, I'm sure, it wasn't even, what am I trying to say? I knew that I was sad, but I just think something about quietly sitting in water just brings it up. Um, and it was really cathartic and useful. On top of that, I know I've said nice things about my girlfriend already, and I hope that you guys have loving relationships in your life, because I don't mean to be all flaunting my relationship privilege in your face. Um, and you know what? They don't have to be girlfriends or boyfriends. They can be friends. 
they can be family, they can be pets sometimes. Listen, I proposed marriage to a cat two days ago. So we were snuggling and I just was like, I didn't always want this feeling and I love this cat and I understand it and it understands me. So they can be pets and failing all of that, your loving relationship can be with yourselves. Not failing that, on top of that, starting there, yeah? Anyway, so anyway, I was having a loving relationship with myself, which is tying right back into this child masturbation story that I promised to get back to. Also, my girlfriend was supporting me so much, and it felt amazing. Um, the bath, the bath, uh, what's it called? Like, the plug was a bit broken. Something had happened to it. So she went in there and fixed it. She pulled it apart and fixed it because she's handy and construction-y like that and freaking amazing and has skills. I do not know what I'm bringing to this relationship other than charm and an open heart. But you know what, guys? Sometimes that's enough. Anyway, she fixed the drain, first of all, to even enable me to have this bath. And um, she put candles in there for me which I wouldn't have thought of doing for myself. So that was awesome. That, that made like a really nice soft light and a nice mood in there. And not just any candles, she put like our most expensive special candles in there. Once in a while we splurge on expensive candles and I feel like that's a very first world slash white thing to do and say. But we love our candles and some of them get pricey and, but they have delicious smells. And we always feel weirdly guilty about it. If we're like, oh, I bought this candle. I got this candle, it was like 36 bucks, but we've done that. Ugh, I feel so guilty even saying that. But anyway, she didn't say anything about it, but that was just like a little signal to me that she was really supporting me and really just wanted to give me the best experience I could have for myself in there. And she knew that I was going in there because I was feeling sad and I needed some time alone. And then while I was in there, she was downstairs making ginger, lemon, and honey drink, which is so good, guys, so good. Um, I realize I'm sick now, so I can't really, maybe I'm not the best spokesperson to espouse its health benefits, but it's amazing health benefits. Lemon, ginger, honey, get it, get do it. Do you know how to make ginger tea, everybody? I'm gonna assume that you do. But maybe you're 18 and you're living on your own for the first time and you don't even know what ginger is. Get some ginger root, peel it, chop it up, tiny. The tinier the better, because then there's more surface area. That's what I say. Um, boil it up, the water's gonna turn kind of brownish, yellowish, and maybe look like a cloudy urine type thing. That's good, that's what you want. You can make, you know what, I err on the side of making it too strong because you can always dilute it with water later. So put tons of ginger, ginger in there and some water, boil it up until it gets that uh, kind of cloudy urine color. <laughs> I don't know what your pee looks like. It's brown, it's like brown and cloudy. Um, that's not what my pee looks like, so I shouldn't have said that. But um, just boil that up and then squeeze some lemon in there to your liking, add a bit of honey stir that around oh guys you have a healthful delicious drink right there and it feels it's so warming it feels good yeah warm you could have it warming you could also chill it down have it cooling either way it works you can save it for later make and you can make your ginger drink super strong that's what i do i make it really strong and then i can dilute it you can have it throughout the week and then you can like dilute it add water to it and have ginger drink all the time ginger drink that's right anyway did you guys all know that you probably did you're healthful people right you're people your people that look after yourselves, I hope you are. This is what I'm trying to say. So, and then, so, so, she made me ginger drink, and then she also was making me a delicious carrot type of soup. I don't know what was in there, carrot and sweet potato or something, but it was fantastic. It was like the most healthful, gorgeous, loving, cozy evening of my life to have a bath and then a candlelit bath and cry and cry and cry and cry and, cry and sob and feel so many feelings and all the sadness and the deep dark pit and just be in it just be in it for a minute until the bath water becomes a mix of bath water tears and no doubt just 
piles of mucus probably didn't look at it or think about it too much because the candles were there so we just drained it and moved on you know sometimes you just got to drain it and move on guys whether it's a mucusy bath a boil or a sewer system drain it and move on that's my motto for all three of those things okay well listen i'm gonna have to pull off soon this lady's gonna start giving me way more directions in my ears i think we've done something here we've achieved something we're back on track kind of let me tell you about this masturbation thing so when i was little before i even knew that i was a different person from my mom um or as i was just starting to understand that was gathering clues from the world like oh maybe hey wait a minute maybe we don't have the same exact thoughts and feelings i used to take naps with my mom in the afternoon and i was just a kid three four something way before school we were having a nap in her bed and I started touching myself and doing, putting my fingers in places that I knew felt good to me. Not in anything, I didn't know about that, but just around, you know. Anyway, I'm not to des- describe the way that I masturbated to you as a three and four year old. That's creepy, right? Are you, are you that creepy? Are you that creepy forest pedophile guy listening right now? Well, too bad, because I am not going to describe to you how a three or four year old masturbates. But anyway, I was masturbating and having feelings. I don't think I ever had orgasms or anything at that age. Well, I don't know. It felt really great, and it would reach some kind of natural conclusion. Um, anyway, let's let's everybody do a bit of research on that, on the physi- physiological physiology of a three- and four-year-old. Can you achieve orgasm? Actually, oh, my God, no, don't. Guys, don't. Don't do any research on that. You absolutely cannot put that into the Internet and try to find anything out. You could go to a library and do research. Don't check anything out, though. You don't want that on your record. Oh, my gosh, guys, we can't do any research on that. We can't do it. It's going to have to be anecdotal. And my anecdote is that, yes, three- and four-year-olds can masturbate and can feel good. I wouldn't, like, encourage it or teach them how. Whew, this is not going where I thought it was. The point was this. I was doing that just in the bed next to my mom during nap time because I was like, this feels great. I didn't have any shame about it. I didn't know that it even was a thing. I didn't know anything about it. And my mom saw me doing that. And this, I think about this moment all the time, you guys, because this could have gone so many other ways. And I didn't come from a particularly open household. I didn't come from a particularly sex positive household. I don't remember ever getting any kind of talk about sex. I came out when I was 18 and they reluctantly accepted it, but my dad didn't talk to me for a few years, as you guys know. And I didn't come out as soon as I could have because there was a lot of gay jokes being thrown around back in those days and I didn't know how anybody was going to react. Which is just to say, it's not that I came from a hippie household. This is just a remarkable moment of parenting as far as I'm concerned. My mom saw me doing that and just kind of gently redirected the whole scenario and was like, sweetheart, that's something that we do privately. And if you'd like to do that right now, you can go to your own bedroom and do that. So how great is that? And that was it. That was the only talk I got about that, but it was good enough. And I never felt any shame about masturbating, which unfortunately in this day and age is, whoa. Yikes, you guys. I'm getting really scared every time I get directions in my ears from this lady because I'm in a moment with you. And then suddenly she yells at me like, in three kilometers, turn left. And I'm like, oh, so I really got to wrap this up. But um, I guess the point was this. Get out there, masturbate, have a great time with it. I don't know. If you're depressed, I'm sorry. So am I, slash was. At least now I can talk to people. Maybe I should, well, maybe I'll wrap this up later. I'll listen to this and then I'll wrap it up later. Right now I'm going to go. The point was that I found porn in the woods and I I didn't masturbate to the porn, but I knew about masturbation then. Did you? Write to me at dn at nomoreradio.com. I don't know. Okay, I'm going to go, guys, um, for now. Oh, yikes. Okay, there's, I don't know. Yikes. I shouldn't always do this when I'm driving. There's too many flashing lights. I'm not a great night driver. Okay. 
Okay, I'm gonna go, guys. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get where I'm getting safely. You guys are awesome. Thank you for listening. Thank you for encouraging me to do this. I always get a lot out of it, and I hope that you do too. Okay, I love you. Bye. Summer, fall, winter, spring. It's always good to learn a thing. Summer, fall, winter, spring. It's always good to learn a thing. Summer, fall, winter, spring. It's always good to learn a thing. Summer, fall, winter, spring. It's always good to learn a thing. Okay, guys, here's something that I learned that I think I've alluded to in the podcast. It is extremely practical life advice, but it seems a little touchy-feely, seems a little, seems a little woo-woo, and maybe you already know this. Even if you do know this, though, you are probably not doing it all the time because I don't think anyone is doing it all the time. Here's the thing, guys. Here's something huge that I learned recently. You do not have to judge yourself for your feelings. What? And in fact, it's easier to have feelings when you don't judge yourself for your feelings. You know, sometimes you feel angry. Don't just jump to like, oh man, I shouldn't feel angry. Because then you miss, you miss the whole thing of why do you feel angry. Gently inquire. Gently inquire about your feelings. Feel them. Ask them why they're there. And they will tell you. And then usually after that, they'll just go away. But if you're angry, you try to repress it. That's going to stick around. Sad, try to repress it. Feel bad about it. It's going to stick around. What else could a person be that they could judge themselves for? Angry, sad, uh, jealous, hmm. Uh, 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 spiteful? I don't know. I can't think of other feelings right now, you guys, because like, I'm, I'm just, I'm sitting in the sun now and I'm just happy. Things have changed for me. It's all about the weather. Why do I live in Canada? Oh, yay, yay. <sighs> well, that, uh, that's a new thing. That's a different thing to learn. But anyway, um, you can judge yourself for your geographical choices as I just did, but do not judge yourself for your feelings. Learn that. Try to learn that. All right, guys. <laughs> That was the podcast, my friends. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let's thank everybody that makes it possible. You know Mike Carozza does. He does the intro and the outro music that you're listening to right now. You know Paula Flalo makes it possible. Not only did he edit my album, um, and he's a great friend, he made this entire podcast network and taught me how to podcast. That's great. Charlie Sneaker, she made the drawing that is associated with this podcast. And those fingers of mine in the drawing are so long. And you know what? They're really long in real life, too. And and, and that was a, an incredible intention to detail that she paid a grotesque attention to detail that she paid Charlie Sneaker Patrick World made the Learn a Thing music and Everything is Raymond which you're going to hear at the end of this episode and you might not know why but it's a great theme song for a non-existent television show what else we probably got to go we got to go we got to go you guys are the best remember I'm at Deanne at nomoradio.com uh, subscribe to the podcast tell your friends come back next week don't hate me for going away sometimes sometimes it just has to happen okay bye guys I love you. Yeah.